soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today, for Song of the Soul, we are joined by Jonathan Lutz, all the way from Finland in the northern part of Europe. Jonathan has lived nearly 30 years in Finland, though he's originally from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and he's a musician and choir leader of diverse talents and deep spiritual reflections. Well, Jonathan, thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thank you. It's nice to speak with you. Well, the wonderful thing is, Jonathan, that uh, thanks to technology, I'm talking to you. You're away in Finland. Tell our audience a little bit about where you are, why you're there, how long you've been there, and your connection with Finland. Wow, it's hard to make that short. I am in um, what's called uh, the city of Turku, with the Finnish name. There's also a Swedish name, the city of Obu which is on the west coast of Finland, and it's a kind of across from Stockholm in Sweden. Why I'm here is a tricky question. could take some days to explain, and I don't understand it myself, but a little bit had to do with my father coming after the war as a volunteer to help rebuild in Finland and then having Scandinavian connections since then and having worked in Sweden as a music teacher just for the kick of it and then uh, marrying a young Swedish-speaking Finn. So how long have you been there? I first came to Sweden in 77 and worked to 79 teaching music there. And then I taught here for a year. Then for about 10 years, we moved kind of this way and that way into Wisconsin and back. So we've been here between 25, not 30 years yet, but close. And you said you married 
a Swedish Finn? Swedish-speaking Finn. Swedish-speaking Finn is the name for somebody who is a member of the 5 or 6% minority here that has Swedish as their mother tongue. And it's largely along the coastal region, all along the southwestern coast, for example, it's mostly Swedish-speaking, but then inland it's Finnish-speaking. Maybe we should also explain, Jonathan, you're in my connection and your connection with Wisconsin. You want to outline a little bit of your history here? Yeah, I grew up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. My father was a Quaker and pretty much helped start the Eau Claire meeting. So I had Quaker connections and Wisconsin connections, which is why I have had contact with you too, returning to Eau Claire once in a while since my mother still lived in Eau Claire until her death last May, and I've enjoyed keeping up the Wisconsin connections. So I, I lived in the States until I was about 24 or so. Obviously, music is a real big part of your life, Jonathan. Quakerism is a vital part of your roots as well. How do they mix with being there in Finland? That's a good question. In fact, it's tricky. There are not very many Quakers in Finland. I think at the present time, there are like 19 members. or Since the last I heard, they've been up around close to 30 sometimes. The group that I'm closest to, is, which is just back in my house, kind of with my parents-in-law who are Quakers. We are a group of three or four, and then here in the city of Turku, which is a city of a couple hundred thousand people, there's a little Quaker group of about four or five people, and Helsinki has, you know, ten or so. So it's kind of hard to do a lot of Quaker music with people who know about George Fox and sing the George Fox song and things like that, but I think the connection with music is close. You can use your Quakerism in many different ways, even if you don't give it that kind of a label. So I'm sure that there are ways I could look and analyze and see Quaker influences in my music work. For example, with the work I'm doing with zithers now, where these little zithers with the sheet music under the strings that you can get in the States to use with people to get them, encourage them to make music themselves rather than just consuming music. And that's kind of a Quaker participatory thing or democracy thing, I guess you could say. You are a music teacher, that you have choirs, you have... What is your full-time work, and has it been there for a real long time? Yeah, my position is what I'd call community music, the one that I've had since 1990 now, except for when I've taken time off. That involves working with... It's kind of like the parks and recreation combined with a community college. It's open to everyone, any age... If you can get seven people to sign up for a course, you can teach pretty much anything you want. So it's a, it's a way of keeping people involved in lifelong learning and issues of the day, as well as languages, music, crafts, political discussion groups, and whatever. So what I've had in general is choirs. I got involved in leading a male chorus, which I had for 12 years, and then started a, two or three other choirs. I've had piano teaching every year, plus guitar teaching and recorder teaching and other things. But I would call it community music job, and, and I really can't think of where there would be this kind of job in the States. One of the reasons I invited you to share your song with the soul, Jonathan, is because I thought it'd be a pretty interesting journey. You've got music in all these different languages, different styles of music that have been part of your history. What is your beginning connection with music? My beginning connection with music would have to be at home with my mother playing the piano, and then I had lots of music lessons with Margaret Middleford, who lived in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, was a very 
interesting teacher, and she may have been a piano teacher, a recorder teacher, a violin teacher, but she was also quite a personality, and I think I got a sense from her that music was something special and that you could relate it to many different parts of your life and not just the notes on the page being a certain structure or something like that. When did you turn 18? What year was that? 71. At that time, I was at Haverford College in Pennsylvania, and I was into music, but I had never been especially good at music. I mean, I play a lot of instruments, but I was never considered a talent in that way. So I kind of fell into music through a back door because I felt called to it, but I hadn't really realized there are many things you can do with music that don't require your being a concert performer of classical music. And I think it wasn't until I was about 40 that I finally realized that, that hey, maybe I could do something with music or I, that, and that I had been doing something with music all along. I had this impression, of course, I didn't know you back then, that you may have been a Bob Dylan or something wannabe, a Pete Seeger wannabe. Pete Seeger wannabe, maybe. That would have been nice. I'm not cool enough to be Bob Dylan, and yeah, that would have been nice to be Pete Seeger. But I don't think I ever actually did much in that way. I, my t- thing tends to be Pete Seegerish in that way that he gets people going with singing and all that, and that turned out to be my thing too. I like to get people going. I turned out that hey, that's something that that I was pretty good at was getting people involved in singing who didn't really plan to be doing that or playing instruments or something like that. Well, for your song of the soul, you did pick out a song by Pete Seeger. Why is this part of your song of the soul? The song I picked out, the John Riley song, is a traditional song that Pete Seeger sings. I picked it out because it's a story of true love and the sailor who comes back and finds his true love waiting still for him. And somehow it's just so pure and so touching and somehow an example for me of music being able to 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 get you to a place where there is real truth and love. And it's just such a classic song. And for my early years, I think that was so important, this longing for community, a longing for caring, or romantic longing, of course. But that was important to me as a place to start with. Let's listen to John Riley right now. It's by Pete Seeger, and it's for Jonathan Lutz's Song of the Soul, John Riley. As I went walking one Sunday morning To breathe the sweet and pleasant air Who should I spy but a fair young maiden Whose cheek was like the lily fair I stepped up to her so quickly saying Would you like to be a sailor's wife? Oh, no, kind sir, I'd rather tarry Than to live single all my life What makes you differ from another's wishes I'm sure you're useful and handsome too Set sail with me to Pennsylvania Adieu to England forevermore The truth, kind sir, I'll plainly tell you I could have been married three years ago To one John Riley who left this country He is the cause of all my woe I'll not go with you to Pennsylvania 
neither go with you to that distant shore. For my heart is with Riley, I can't forget him, although I may never see him no more. Now when he saw that she loved him truly, he gave her kisses one, two, and three, saying, I am Riley, your long-lost lover, who's been the cause of your misery. If you be he and your name is Riley, I will go with you to a distant shore. We will set sail to Pennsylvania, do young friends forevermore. That was John Riley by Pete Seeger. Jonathan, you chose that for your Song of the Soul, and I think from a lot of people's point of view, that might seem a kind of a strange thing to call spiritual. I mean, love certainly is important to our hearts, and of course, you and I both know that Quakerism includes this kind of breadth of the way the Spirit lives out. How does that work, I don't know, theologically, intellectually for you? How is that kind of love included in your spiritual beliefs, thoughts, feelings? For me, longing, any kind of longing, romantic longing or longing for for God or the Spirit or community, it's in somehow different sides of the same thing and longing I've found to be a wonderful thing when people ask me now I'm living in Finland don't I miss living in the United States my usual answer is oh yes I miss it very much and then they kind of look at me strangely and say well why don't you go back and then I maybe say that well I miss Finland very much and I, I actually enjoy it. one of my hobbies is longing for places where I've been or longing to meet people that I are my friends somehow a point of reference and longing can be a a wonderful thing Uh, I hope I never stop longing for things and John Riley is a classic song about patience if John Riley is about patience maybe your next song is about impatience you picked out one by Doc Watson my rough and rowdy ways how is this part of your spiritual journey I read just a couple days ago when it's the 40th anniversary of Martin Luther King's death somebody saying that well he wasn't all serious he also liked to play pool that struck me because when i was at haverford college i was actually captain of the pool team spent lots and lots of my time playing pool it was free there actually my father was a visiting scholar my senior year so i kept trying to avoid that he would walk in and and see me playing pool there and then finally when i had a match against swarthmore and i won the title match kind of and they put it in the haverford newspaper with my name and all, then I couldn't avoid bringing up the subject. But playing pool and being kind of rough, in some way rough and rowdy, is at that point considered something negative, but it's also a positive thing to be able to recognize that we aren't just able to box ourselves in and, you know, paint nice colors on the box. We have to recognize our whole selves, and being rough and rowdy has been a part of my life. You mean that being spiritual and good isn't all just about proper representation, you know, fitting into a high-class spiritual society? I mean, is a song like My Rough and Rowdy Ways, is this a spiritual song for you then? For me, it touches on the issue of when I'm grown up now, I have a 
family and, and fairly traditional life in many ways, but that there is this impulse to, to uh, I'm not really not a very rough and rowdy person, but I do recognize that there is a longing for, uh, we have to be honest, maybe is what I'm saying, about our whole selves, recognizing maybe not the dark side necessarily, but, but the side that's not as polite or not as sort of ready to receive visitors. Sounds good to me. So let's listen to it. It's by Doc Watson. It's my rough and rowdy ways. It's for Jonathan Litz's Song of the Soul. For years and years I rambled. I drank my wine and gambled. But then one day I thought I'd settle down. I met a sweet little lady. And she told me that she'd be my baby We built a cottage in the old hometown I can't forget my good old rambling days Them old freight trains keep calling me always I may be rough May be wild, may act tough, but it's just my style Cause I can't forget my good old rough and rowdy way Sometimes I meet a bounder Knew me when I was around her. He grabbed my hand, he'll say, Boy, have a drink. We go down to the pool room, getting a game, and then soon it's broad daylight, and I ain't had a wing. I can't forget my good old rambling days Them old freight trains keep calling me always May be rough, may be wild May act tough, but it's just my style Cause I can't forget my good old rough and rowdy ways Watson and my rough and rowdy ways, and we're talking here about the spiritual way that Jonathan Lutz has traveled, his spiritual journey, and of course that continues. But you kind of came of age in the 60s, I think. Is that why you chose the next song by James Taylor? That's right. I mean, he just speaks to me in that way that he, the music is, I listened to him when I was young, and I also think he is rather, his music is to my taste, and, and his words are quite special often and the part in this song that I liked was or didn't like necessarily but identified with is he talks about my heart was broke and I looked like ashes and I smelled like smoke I want to try to leave my body and live in my mind and that for me was pretty much uh, a big part of the way I lived in my teens and early 20s until I had sort of a 
well, a spiritual crisis, I could say. I was playing in a, a rock band after I graduated from, from Haverford, and then I worked in a Newark, New Jersey, in a slum educational project, and then uh, took care of a summer camp during the winter in New Jersey, where I lived all by myself, was composing and trying to do things, but I wanted to play with people, so I looked for a chamber music group and ended up joining a rock band because I couldn't find one. And then I played six months full-time with this group, living with this, these people and playing six days a week in different places was getting pretty depressing. So I ended up finding Montclair Friends Meeting in New Jersey and, and just finding it fantastic to be in the silence after playing the rock music. So I had a kind of prodigal son experience and moved back to Wisconsin for a year and a real spiritual renewal. This is when I was about 23 and moved on from this, what James Taylor is describing. And I think he's moved on, too. So that's kind of what it's about for me. The song is Line em Up. It's by James Taylor. I remember Richard Nixon back in 74 And the final scene at the White House door And the staff lined up to say goodbye Tiny tear in his shifted He said... Nobody knows me, nobody understands These little people were good to me Oh, I'm gonna shake some hands Somebody line them up, line them all up Line them up, line them all up Won't you the line them up, line them all up body and live in my mind, but it's much too much emotion to hold in your hand. They got waves out on the ocean, they're gonna wear away the land. I say line them up, line them all up, line them up, line them all up. Taylor. You know, I've listened to the song, obviously, now, but I'm not sure what Line em Up is about. What, what's supposed to be lined up there? I don't think I know. Well, do you know what Bob Dylan's songs were all about? If you do, tell me. Good poetry is always a bit, uh, leaves a bit of room. But I think he starts with Richard Nixon and lining up people to say goodbye when he resigned. But it's about how we all line up our memories. It's, it's about looking back, at least that's the way I, I look at this, lining up, trying to figure out who we are by looking back and seeing, having these different memories pass by, seeing how, kind of how they fit together. So it's about spiritual journey. Well, you've journeyed quite a bit, Jonathan, since those early days in Wisconsin or over in Halfford, back in Wisconsin. And then I think after then is when you started heading out towards Scandinavia. Is that right? That's right. I heard there was a shortage of music teachers in Sweden and thought, well, what the heck? So I went over and I knew maybe a hundred, couple hundred words of Swedish because I'd been there when I was 14 to 15 at an international school for one year. So that's how it got started. 
and were you involved in stuff with choirs right away? In the beginning, I improvised classical music for a ballet academy in Stockholm, then ended up teaching elementary music, junior high music, um, piano, and I did have a choir or two, but I switched jobs every six months or so and tried something new. So it was more in Finland that I began with choirs when I was approached by a choir who needed a conductor, and I really was something fairly new to me to have a serious choir, and so I I kind of fell into choral leading, and I'd never really planned to, to do anything like that. And it was not very Quakerish for me because uh, this is a male chorus of about 40 men. Male choruses in Scandinavia, are, um, as elsewhere probably, are real institutions with all kinds of traditions. And as a Quaker, I, my kind of feeling was to go in there and say, well, you know, did that sound right? Does anyone have suggestions or, you know, a consensus approach to conducting? That just isn't, was not going to work. And they would get very nervous if I wasn't very clear and definite and taking command and criticizing them for doing stuff wrong. They really wanted to be kind of criticized, so I I had to do a lot of adapting. So that's how you learned to become a critical person, huh? Well, that's how I started thinking about power relations in music, and I still think a lot about power relations in choirs and and how, uh, how invisible they often are and how many choral directors are very worried about getting things right rather than having an experience. I mean, and it's the old question of are we there for the process or are we there for the results, if you put it in simple terms. But I would say a lot of choral directors try to get things right, and in doing so, they're doing it wrong because things aren't going to be right if they're just correct. So I've worked hard over the years to start different choirs and have a little bit different approach to directing. I think you picked out some music that is part of your history working with choirs. What would you like to start with out of that collection? If we have time, I'd like to just put on a little bit of this Com Suser Tot, which is really a straightforward Bach chorale, but it's done in a different way where every singer is allowed to go on to the next note at different times, and then they just end up on the final note of each of each phrase together and then work it out. But it gives a kind of a very unusual sound effect when everybody's moving on at their own pace, and then they work it out. What does the name mean, Com Susser Tod? I don't speak the language. Com Sweet Death. And it's a regular, straightforward Bach chorale arrangement that's just been done in a different way. And who is this one from? Is this one of the choirs that you led? No, this is Gunnar Eriksson's choir in Gothenburg, who is one of the choir gurus nowadays in Sweden. So is this the kind of music that you, as a choir leader, that with your whole spiritual approach to the process of making music together, is this something that you would, could produce with the choir that you would lead? I would like to. What I like about it is the idea of taking something and somehow freeing it or opening it up, giving it, shedding new light on it and doing something a little bit different. Because my approach to choirs, which will be in the next few songs after this, I try to be spontaneous and, 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 and look at different, in different ways at things. Let's listen to a portion of Gunnar Eriksson's choir. And tell me if I pronounce the name wrong. It's Komsusertot, which is uh, Come Sweet Death. We're listening to Song of the Soul. 
My guest today is Jonathan Lutz, and he, since he's a choir director, his work with choirs has been very important to his spiritual journey. It's Combs is Taut by Gunnar Eriksson's Choir. or at least a portion of it. Jonathan, you've done so much work with choirs. You're going to share with us some of the music that you made and as part of that, your spiritual journey? Yeah, spiritual journey is also a culturally influenced thing. And I think 
one of the things I've learned being here, Quakerism in different countries can be different. Well, Lutheranism is probably different in different places. I'm sure it is. And this song, Iceland, is a, such a strong sample of male chorus in Scandinavia, the type of song that they feel strongly for. That's a, I'm being Swedish now, Chenna Fur, music that they feel strongly about, I guess we'd say in English. And it's a song about rough life on Iceland and the waves breaking on the shores and surviving and, and this kind of thing. Are you saying it's kind of the macho element, like we're so tough we can face all the hardships, that kind of thing? Is this part of Iceland, is this part of Swedish-Finnish culture too? Yeah, and, and you know, whether it's macho or not is maybe a question of how you look at it. I think any time you can get guys to sing in a choir and come every week and practice instead of standing on the town square drinking beer, I think you're getting somewhere. And these same guys just love to sing soft, beautiful songs, too. So it's maybe macho in a way, but it's more fighting the elements. It's about survival. And I, I don't, I think I'm pretty happy with the feeling that's behind this song. This is your choir, right, that we're going to be listening to? This is a double quartet I put together of younger guys in this male chorus. I actually took this group, particular group, to Wisconsin, Minnesota in 98, and a lot of the same guys came along on a China tour in 2004. The song is Iceland, it's in Swedish, and we're listening to one of the choirs that Jonathan Lutz has put together with his work over there in Sweden and Finland. to listen to that if only I understand.
understood the words. I mean, I feel pretty tough in common with those people from Iceland. I guess they have it a little bit harder than we do here in Wisconsin, don't they? Oh, I don't know. If you listen to Garrison Keillor, you know, you think you're pretty tough in Minnesota, Wisconsin. Do you get to listen to something like Garrison Keillor over there by the Internet or something? Yeah, I'd say one of the ways I maintain myself spiritually is by listening to NPR almost every day on the Internet. And it's also actually descended on FM from Helsinki because Finland is a pretty enlightened radio culture here in that way. Let's move on to some more of the music that you've picked out. What's the next one? I think it's also from a choir that you've dealt with. Glad so some fogon, happy as a bird, would be the English translation. And the important themes for anybody in Scandinavia have to do with the seasons. Maybe just like Garrison Keillor would uh, would uh, think in Minnesota, but this is about spring and the first of May, and it's about a, a bird, happy as a bird, and it's the same group singing, and, and it's just a classic because on every first of May, all the male choruses go out on the town square and sing in public. How many recordings do you have of your different? choirs you've worked with? These ones are from a CD that we put together with about 20 songs or so made in preparation for a China tour in 2004, so that's where they're from. And is this a, a CD that if really captivated by this music, they would find it somewhere? Well, they could contact me. I've got a few left. Okay, well then I'll put your contact information on my website. Maybe we need to listen to this. This is a male choir that Jonathan Lutz led, uh, leads. Happy as a bird. How do we say this in Swedish? Glad so some fogeln. Glad so some fogeln. And does the chorus, male chorus, have a name? Is it just the Jonathan Lutz chorus, or what does it have a name? Archipelago Singers. The Archipelago Singers, led by Jonathan Lutz, who's sharing his song of the soul with us today. Glad så som fågeln i morgonstunden Älskar jag våren i friska natur Lärkan är svarad och trasten i lunden Lärnan på åken och orren i fjol Glad så som fågeln i morgonstunden Älskar jag våren i friska natur Lärkan är svarad och trasten i lunden Lärnan på åken och orren i Yeah, I, this next one I, I maybe have to apologize for ahead of time. 
in a way because it's a beautiful song and I think you can just view it as that but actually it's a kind of a sketch at the same time where we go out on stage and everybody's got a bottle, a beer bottle or a pop bottle or something, and it looks like we're just having a good time. And then we, each person plays their one note on that bottle at appropriate times to make the song. And I guess for me, it's a kind of a fun thing at the same time that I think it sounds good. But it reminds me a little bit of my father, who, when I came home from having played in a rock band and learned to juggle and things like that, and told me the story of the juggler, who became a monk, I guess, and he was found juggling in the the monastery chapel one time, as, as I recall the story, and the head of the monastery or whatever happened to come in and see him there, and so the, the this former juggler was very upset and sorry, and then the story ends that, well, if, if what you have to offer God is juggling, then go right ahead. So for me, this is a, a bit of a, my life has been a little bit like that, I, that I, uh, if what I can do is, is make music on, on beer bottles or, or pop bottles, then and that's what, what I can offer. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. What's the name of the song? It's a Finnish song. It's called Ol Kaunis Kesa Ilta, which is, it was a beautiful summer evening. And it's a love song. Let's listen to a beautiful summer evening, a classic Finnish folk song, played here on Beer Bottles. singing they're uh, each making their notes are, are these normally musicians that are part of your choruses you know i like people to to be when they come to a rehearsal that to be ready for anything so in, in this particular group they didn't know which notes they were going to be playing ahead of time it just kind of tend to just pass out bottles and and then we have a, a score that we put up or have one person hold where it has just letters you know c a g or whatever and then you know which it says on your bottle which note you have, and then you kind of see where the things are going, and, and it's when it's your turn to chime in. So it's just a bit of improvising, and, you know, you have to listen to the others, and it's a musically developing experience, I think. Are you also, when you said you were kind of apologizing for your past, the idea of playing on beer bottles, is this... Is there a time in your life where you were playing on beer bottles and maybe this wasn't acceptable in your, to your Quaker father? You know, I ne- I've never been much of a drinker, so I don't. That wasn't a problem. But I definitely had, you know, a hippie culture that I was part of, which wasn't acceptable, or I didn't think would be acceptable. So I tried to keep it to myself, to my parents, even though they were wonderful people. 
And I have an older brother who was one of the first Haight-Ashbury hippies and came home with one of the first people in Eau Claire who was observed walking on the streets barefoot with long hair and purple sunglasses and things like that. And, and for me, you know, I think of a, a Quaker named Demarest Parker Rhodes who has a nice book called Truth, a Path, Not a Possession. And when she gave a lecture or a talk in, in Finland, I remember talking about her being a cross and resurrection type, that she's a cross and resurrection type. And that stuck with me. And I think that for me, uh, too, I'm a cross and resurrection type. That I had to get so down and so depressed and then come up and be resurrected, so to say, as a uh, go home as the prodigal son. And that was my route to spiritual growth. I mean, maybe other people can just grow gradually, but for me, I had to really hit bottom, maybe not by drinking and so on, but otherwise, in order to start to accept and, and look look at life differently. Well, let's move on to some more of your music, Jonathan. Let me see, what do you got next for us online? You've got several more picked up, but what's the next one? The next one is Yaviste Sauveil. The title is I Knew Very Well but it's really about how a person didn't know how deeply she would be touched by someone. And it's another love song, but it's about going into life or into a relationship, not planning to give all, but planning to kind of hold back and reserve some part of yourself to put limits on it, and then to find out that you were touched so deeply anyway that you went past your limits in maybe a good way. And I've worked a lot with this singer, Patricia Barriot, and she was also along to the States and to China. And she sings, and I accompany her on uh, guitar. I just, it's a very sensitive song. It's called Jag Viste So Vel. I Knew So Well. And her name is Patricia Barriot. Jag Viste At Mötas Som lockar så lönligt och lurar så lätt. Men ändå blev allting med dem så stilla. I undran över dig mötet gett. Ja, jag visste så väl, det var on guitar accompanying Patricia and I'm not even going to try her last name again I just I think I really need to work on my Scandinavian languages I, my French is good but Scandinavian sucks for me so far it was nice to hear your guitar there you play a whole range of instruments still don't you I try anything right now I'm trying to practice piano in the morning I'm working on some what you'd say is pretty serious classical music uh, Debussy and also a little bit of jazz, but I'm also working on the gucheng, which is a Chinese national instrument. It's like a about a five-foot-long zither with 21 strings. I've played violin and recorder and piano and guitar. The funny thing is that I notice I'm picked out places where I'm, I'm playing guitar, which is an instrument I've taught myself. I've never had any guitar lessons. Piano, I, I had plenty of lessons up through university, 
and I've worked a lot playing the piano and considered it my main instrument. But on the other hand, I think in some ways I feel more at home on guitar, which may say something interesting, not about the level of my skills, but how we build relationships to instruments in terms of discovering them ourselves or having them taught to us as trying to reach a certain skill level that somebody else establishes. Well, speaking of learning music, I think the next one was part of, maybe you're teaching music, but you're also maybe teaching the language to your daughter, Hannah. When did this happen, this recording? This recording was actually made just as a family cassette to send to my mother for her birthday, which was October 6th, and this must have been 1985, when my mother turned 70. And Hannah was then 18 months, almost 18 months. This was just kind of what we did anyway. We did a lot of singing, and I, and I, I wanted to include this just because it's such a good way of communicating, I think, is where you, for children who perhaps can't sing whole songs but can add a word here and there, a little game, as it were, where you leave out a word and then the, the child chimes in with that word. I work a lot with families and with prenatal, postnatal music uh, in different situations, and I just think we should have more of this kind of musical communication. And she sang a lot of this kind of thing in Swedish, too, but since my mother spoke Swedish with her and always has, and I spoke English with the kids, here I include a little bit of O Susanna. Well, it rained all night the day I left The weather it was The sun so I froze to Susanna, don't you? Well, oh, Sue Oh, don't you? For are gone to Louisiana, my true love for two. I had a dream the other night when everything was. I dreamt I saw Susanna a coming down the. recognize the song, Oh Susanna, with Hannah, that is to say Jonathan Lutz's daughter, Hannah, back when she's 18 months. Uh, actually, she did amazingly well with the language at 18 months. I, my understanding is that most boys don't really start speaking until closer to two years. Well, we've still got uh, some more music to go through here, so we better keep moving right along. Would you tell me about the next song, Kristallin? This is just, again, I just handed out instruments to people in the male chorus. They're playing on four instruments, and it's a four-part arrangement, but it's played where everybody plays one part on a little 15-string uh, diatonic zither, which sometimes is called a lap harp. Uh, you can get them up at Walmart probably for like $19 or something. I have been so entranced with the possibilities of this instrument for young children who don't need to know how to read and let alone read music, to be able to play familiar tunes and for handicapped people and for people of all ages. So this is just an example of, of how it sounds. And what is Kristallin? Where does the song come from? What's it about? Kristallin means the crystal, and it's a Scandinavian uh, ballad or love song, and it's about how she is like clear crystal. The song is Kristallin. We'll just 
listen to a short piece of it played on Sidhurus. And this is again the male chorus group that Jonathan Lutz works with. I've been active in culture and health work. I've been involved in different projects and, and on boards of different organizations. And so I've, I've gotten quite a lot involved in both singing and using instruments with elderly and handicapped and so on. And this instrument that we heard before on Cristal and with the zitheru, the 15-string diatonic zither, that I've used. And this is an example of a, a boy who uh, has cerebral palsy has great trouble doing any kind of uh, work with a pen. You know, he's in a wheelchair and has a great difficulty, but he could play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on the zither. He was so thrilled, and he played this piece for me, and so it's just a tiny bit of that song, and I include it because I'm just as excited about it as he is. Let's get into it. It's a little bit of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star with a young man with cerebral palsy. I was in China teaching at university there for a while, and I got playing the Gucheng, this uh, Chinese like zither that I mentioned before. Just thought you might want to hear a bit of what it sounds like. This is from an album called Pop Aspirations, which seems ridiculous because it doesn't seem like pop music to me. If this is their version of pop music, then I think we should all listen to pop music. For me, this is very spiritual music. And I'm so glad there are different cultures in the world that we can share and with and, and learn from. The name of the song is View the Rain, played on the Chinese Gu Cheng. Mm-hmm. 
that was View the Rain, and it was played on a Chinese zither called the Kuchang. And it was the last song for Jonathan Lutz's A Song of the Soul. He's been joining us, as you may have heard, from Finland, where he's lived for the last nearly 30 years of his life. You got any plans to come back to the U.S. anytime soon, Jonathan? Next year, at least in 2009. Now I'm on a two-year leave from my job. I'm working on my doctorate in music work with these exhibitors. So I have possibilities to schedule my time a little bit more freely and hope to get back to the States, too. We'll look forward to gathering with you when you come here to Eau Claire, which I assume you're going to do. you got to come back to the roots, don't you? Yeah, I look forward to getting together. I love to long for different places and meet different friends. It's so good that you could join us for Song of the Soul and keep up your wonderful work with music and all the forms that you're taking there. It's a really wonderful breadth of music that you've brought us and which you're working with. So thanks again, Jonathan. Thank you very much, Mark. That was my guest for today's Song of the Soul, Jonathan Lutz, joining us from his home in Finland in the northern reaches of Europe. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song of the soul